Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living, sponsored by Point Click Care. I'm Tim Mullaney with Senior Housing News. In this episode, we're focused on the rise of smart home technology in senior living in interviews with Kisco Senior Living President and CEO Andy Kohlberg and Vincentian Collaborative System President and CEO Nick Fizaka. Before we get to those interviews, I'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, Point Click Care. They know financial health is integral to your success and want to help you reach your goals. Smart home technology has become commonplace in homes across the United States, and senior living is no exception. Older adults stand to benefit from tech that makes it easier to control their living environments, from changing the thermostat to opening the blinds. As smart home tech becomes integrated with platforms such as Amazon Echo, seniors can do all this and more by simply speaking. Smart home technology can also drive caregiving efficiencies, help control utility costs, and increase engagement of resident family members. But as with any new technology, implementation must be executed with care. In the first interview of this episode, you'll hear from Kisco Senior Living CEO Andy Kohlberg. Based in Carlsbad, California, the company operates about 20 senior living communities and has been rolling out smart home tech through the K4 Connect platform. Most recently, all the independent living residences at Kisco's Cardinal at North Hills location in Raleigh, North Carolina, were equipped with Amazon Echo devices integrated with K4 smart home features. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited to talk about the role of smart tech and senior living with you because Kisco has implemented the K4 Connect platform, and that includes a smart home component. And I just want to, I guess, confirm, first of all, uh, how much of Kisco portfolio is now K4 Connect enabled. And it would be great if you could just describe the platform a little bit, and in particular, any smart home elements that it brings in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think platform is certainly the right word to describe what we were looking for in a partner because their their model really is to be an open platform with a lot of third-party applications and devices to be able to plug and bolt on. So they want to be an integrator rather than a closed platform, and that was very important to us. And so, you know, it's it's a, a multifaceted and multi-phased approach. You know, there's a different approach for are more IL oriented, independent living oriented customers who are active and, you know, potentially driving and, and versus our assisted living and memory care. And we're rolling it out with a little bit of a, a different approach at those communities. But in terms of the home automation platform, it has the ability to monitor lights, the heating and air, even your television. And then there's a whole lot of add on devices that you can, you know, enhance the product with, whether it's a sensor under the bed or, or lots of add-on products that are coming down the down the road that haven't even been built yet. So the home automation part of it is, you know, basic at the moment. It can do curtains and blinds and things like that. But it, I think the attraction for us really is it has the ability to scale for residents who need, you know, maybe more help or, or have higher acuity needs. And with this latest launch, all of it is voice-enabled through Alexa. And so K4 pro- provides kind of overlay platform and the customization for the Alexa voice-enabled platform. Right. So obviously there are, are 
quite a few smart home capabilities for the resident to be able to control things like temperature, lighting, etc. I think that K4 also enables staff to, to have some insight or tracking of some activities of daily living. Is that right? Well, what I think they have the capability of now and, and some more things, as I said, coming in the future, but now there's the ability, I think, to have a caregiver wear a device and it tracks when they enter the apartment or leave. But we're not aware of its ability on its own to track uh, services that a caregiver provides. But there there are software applications that are handheld device compatible that you could integrate with the K4 platform. For example, it's not related to care services, but but uh, they're working on an integration with WorksHub, where which is a maintenance work order system. So uh, maintenance tech could have a handheld device go into the apartment, fix something, and and through through K4 platform have it integrate with one of our other software applications. So that's the capability, and some of it depends on how robust the the operator decides that they want to go and and what they want customized and what they want added on to the platform K4 is is going in stages with certain vendors WorksHub is I think one of the vendors they've chosen but you can choose your own vendor and probably work on some customizations as well got it and i guess i'm wondering is there a capability today or do you foresee this as a possibility in the future where there's some kind of data capture and analytics, maybe predictive analytics or something where if uh, the technology sort of learns the habits of the resident, if there's an aberration there where, mm-hmm. you know, they haven't turned on the TV in two days or they haven't adjusted right. the temperature in a certain period of time that it alerts a caregiver or something like that. Yes. The the larger AI that you talked about is probably down the road, but the latter example you gave of the what we call the resident check-in process, that can be automated. And so as you described, if a resident hasn't used any of the devices and hasn't checked in, that can, can alert the staff at the front desk to, to check on the resident. And if they do use any of their devices that are a part of the K4 platform in the morning when they wake up, that'll alert somebody that they have kind of checked in. So that is is a basic capability right now, but I think down the road, some of the artificial intelligence and, and, and learning, as you talked about, is you know further down the road, but will we'll be part of it, I hope. Got it. Why don't you can just sort of talk about when you were thinking about, I guess, shopping the market and decided to right. go with the K4 platform. Can you talk about how All much right. the smart home features were kind of a, a real core part of the value of that versus kind of a nice to have? Yeah, I think it was one of the more challenging parts of it because some of the the benefits are much more measurable in terms of ROI and and some of it is is a lot fuzzier. Certainly, the home automation part for for the residents and their ease of use, whether it's the ability to not have to call the front desk and just talk to the Alexa device, their ease of changing the thermostat is softer, their ability to connect with their family hard to kind of measure an ROI on that, but it does save our staff some time and and create some efficiencies. Again, pretty hard to measure. What's a little bit more measurable is, you know, reduction in energy savings when a, a resident, you know, goes on vacation for two weeks, we can make sure that their temperature doesn't get out of control. And some other things, we can make recommendations as to temperature. The residents can override it, but there are a lot of just through lack of information opportunities we have to 
reduce energy in cooperation with the resident, obviously. But that's an easier type of ROI to to figure out and, and calculate. Got it. And to what extent are, are you tracking or do you have any sense of how much the residents have embraced the platform and maybe in particular how often they use some of these smart home features being able to control things like temperature? Yeah, I think certainly at the Cardinal where this was launched and, and it's been well embraced, we, we get, uh, and, and K4 is, is very good in terms of providing analytics. Well, well more than 50% of our residents are using it on a, a daily or three to four times a week basis for a number of elements in terms of signing up for programs, viewing the dining menus, and the resident directory are the three most important things. And that's prior to the voice-enabled launch. So we think that the voice-enabled will will increase significantly the the usage and the, the number of applications that a resident might use. And we still haven't fully enabled it with, with family members. Ultimately, the vision here is for a family member possibly to be on the same device and password as their parent or loved one who's living in the community, and they can um, see what programs their loved one has signed up for or what's for dinner or transportation opportunities or programs or other things and have a, you know, one of our hopes is the family members become much more engaged through the interaction with K4. Great. I'm wondering if you can just elaborate a little bit on what the implementation process has been like, because mm-hmm. I think you went from piloting K4 in 2015 right. to pretty quickly doing a large rollout. So I guess, could you just talk us through the, you know, what the pilot phase looked like? And I assume that was successful and that, and how then you've kind of rolled this up through the portfolio. Yeah. It's been a much longer process than what you described. The first pilot, you're correct, was in late 2015. It was really only with four residents, and it was the first you know, um, pilot that they had done. We, we then conducted a much larger pilot as we opened uh, the Cardinal at North Hills in Raleigh, and then um, have slowly in phases tried to roll it out to the communities. And we've kind of put a stop because we're waiting for the voice-enabled feature to be fully implemented before we continue to roll out at the remainder of the communities. And I think we learned a lot in the process, as did K4. You know, as I mentioned earlier, there's a distinct difference in the features and the product and the usage of a resident who's much more active in independent living and driving versus a, a resident who's needing a lot of care and assisted living or even uh, memory care. So we're working on doing a different implementation for those types of residents. And so we've taken a little bit of a pause for for those two reasons, being waiting for the Alexa and then uh, kind of we've learned that doing implementation for the different customers is a better way to go than try to do one. Got it. And so in terms of what's happening at the Cardinal, is that now that all of the independent living units do have the Alexa voice-enabled capabilities in place? Yes, we did an announcement in late December and gave every resident a customized Echo device that's Alexa-enabled. And so they have a device that's customized to their apartment. So the device knows what apartment they're in and they can further customize it with programming and other things. And so they can use Alexa to sign up for programs and call the front desk and do a number of things. And we're we're building that platform out. But yes, every resident at the Cardinal has an Echo device in their apartment for independent living. And that's, I think, uh, 165 units. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Right. 
And then uh, you mentioned that you're taking a slightly different approach on the assisted living kind of higher need side. Any details you can share there on maybe what some of the differences are on that in terms of usage on that side? You know, we're still building it out, but that's where we we want to, as you mentioned, think about ways to empower caregivers to deliver better, more efficient, and more robust care in the apartment using Alexa. And so there are a number of things we're we're still working on in in that area, and and how it integrates with the new software platform we're rolling out. So there's still more work to be done on that. Got it. Wondering if you can speak to any of the challenges you might have encountered in shifting mm-hmm. more to this type of technology. Well, there are lots. As you can imagine, any software, hardware, you know, new platform is a challenge. And then when you overlay the fact that you have seniors and residents who have a wide variety of interests and or skills of technology and whose acuity levels change over time. And so it's always more challenging with this population. But We've been surprised and impressed. You've got people all the way from senior techies to people who don't have phones. And so, but most, most of the residents of the Cardinal and, and other places have phones and really enjoy it. But there's a wide variety of skill sets. We hope that the voice enabled will make it easier for non-tech people to interact with K4. But there are lots of challenges on the hardware side, the software side, the implementation side, trying to narrow down what it is we really want to do. You know, as I said earlier, in my focus groups that I do with residents, the three things that were most popular during the initial rollout were the resident directory, ability to sign up for programs, and ability to see what's on the menu for that day. And now Alexa, with the voice enabled, can customize it so a resident can say, start my day, and and Alexa will tell it what the programs are, what the meals are, and also indicate if they've signed up for any programs, can tell them what programs we've signed up for and what time and and what room. So we can have some pretty good analytics around that down the road once we get a large number of residents using that function. So there are a lot of challenges. It's always takes longer than you think and is always harder than you think, both from the technology point of view, just getting the technology to work and then getting people educated on how to use it. Those always take longer and harder than you envision up front. You mentioned that you've got a range of kind of tech savviness among the residents from some that are very right. savvy to some that don't have a, a smartphone. Right. So I guess that is a good lead into another question I had, which is that I think, A, there's an expectation that as the boomers start to move into senior living in greater numbers, right. they will be more tech savvy. And then right. we're already seeing this move from companies like Amazon, Apple, Best Buy, starting target senior consumers with right. smart home technology specifically that's tailored to them. Right. So right. I'm wondering if you see it as a challenge at all in the future as residents move in and they will already be accustomed to using some sort of smart home product, whether it's an right. Echo or a Nest or a Google Home are they going to want to use that same product and platform? Is it going to be tough to get them onto a more enterprise system that, you know, I I imagine you need to have to kind of operate? Right. Yeah, I think that will be a challenge. But like I said, one of the things we liked about K4 was it was a, a fairly open platform. But in the example you just gave, if someone's used to using Google and Nest at their house, and they move into one of our communities and we're using Alexa device that controls their thermostat, you know, they'll ultimately have a choice. Hopefully, we'll make it easy. And um, but 
consumers want and deserve choices, and we shouldn't require them to be locked into our technology. If they want to bring something with them that, that they like better, then um, that should be their prerogative. We're all about choice, and, and hopefully we present a, a value that and a product that they can't do on their own, like they obviously can't customize into their Google device what, what the meals are for that day. So, you know, we do have some advantages of scale, but people should have choices and, and be able to bring whatever devices they want. So it is it is a challenge, um, but it's one of the reasons we like the open platform and the ability to bolt on different products to it. Right. As we wrap up, I want to just ask a couple questions that are a little more forward-looking about mm-hmm. the future of smart home tech, both for Kisco and maybe for senior living as a whole. And one right. of those is we hear that, we sometimes hear that the rise of a smart home tech might be a threat to senior living in some ways because right. it makes it a lot easier for people to age in place in their own single-family right. homes. Right. Do you think right. that that's true? Yeah, absolutely. Um, our, our biggest competitor has always been someone living in their home, and, and you're right. There's a lot of technology out there and a lot of big companies focused on keeping people in their homes longer. But at the end of the day, what we sell is socialization and people who want and value you know, programs and dining with other people and friends and, and all that. And so, you know, the penetration rate of senior living somewhere eight to 10%. So of the age and income qualified people, only eight or 10% are living in a senior living community. And so that, you know, people who are tend to be loners and who are tech savvy, probably are not going to be moving into our community because they're going to be able to do a lot of things at home. I think driverless cars, autonomous cars is a huge risk, if you will, to our industry because it allows people to not have to be able to drive to, to, to go somewhere. And Uber and Lyft and all these other things have a little bit of the same aspect to it. But at the end of the day, what what we attract is people who, who want to be around other people and, and really value those interactions and relationships. And technology can never replace that. So because I mentioned earlier, the penetration rate in the industry is so low, we think that that will increase over time, even given the fact that people will be able to stay longer. Because I think the penetration rate has been low over the years just because the stigma of senior living has been perceived like uh, the nursing home of 50 years ago was. A lot of people don't realize how advanced and how it nice many senior living communities are. And, and so the acceptance has, has been slow and, and lower. But I think it, it's technology is definitely going to enable people to stay in their homes longer. But those that want the socialization will will continue to move and, and live in a community and embrace technology. And hopefully it'll be the best of both for those people. But as I said, people who are just very content living in their home without a lot of interaction and socialization, if they're happy doing that, they're probably going to stay doing that. Got it. Um, and then I guess what's next in terms of this type of smart home technology? Do you think that, I guess, maybe for senior living writ large, mm-hmm. do you anticipate that all providers are kind of, it's going to be just kind of standard in the industry to have smart home technology in place in people's mm-hmm. units? Yeah, I think that every every operator will decide a little differently how to do it. But certainly, you know, as you know, people can buy a Google device and or an Alexa device and put it in their home and, and, and use it for the blinds and do other things. And people may just decide to move in and do that in their own apartment kind of on their own. And operators may just let them do that on their own. So I think it, it'll run the gamut of, of what operators choose to do. Some will embrace it you know, wholeheartedly like us and others will uh, 
you know, kind of just go along. But I think one of the things that nobody really knows is there's just an incredible amount of products coming down the pike, you know, adapted for seniors that will help their lives. I'm on the involved with Aging 2.0, which is the senior housing technology confluence industry trade organization that Katie Fike founded, and she's on our advisory board. But they have uh, several seminars a year, and there's just an incredible amount of products that are coming out for telemedicine and home care and, and hardware devices you can wear around your belt that inflates if you, before you fall like an like a airbag. I mean, there's so many things coming down the pike, and a lot of those can be matched with, with a K4 platform to provide more data to a resident's doctors or other things. And so there's just so much coming down the pike in the next five, 10 years that, you know, our strategy has been, let's get the infrastructure of of solid Wi-Fi and servers and a K4 platform in place. So when all these things come down the pike, we'll have the infrastructure already in place to decide, you know, which platforms and which devices could could fit onto our platform. And so that's where we look at it. You know, nobody can predict the future, but we think if we have the fundamental infrastructure to allow us to choose the best hardware and software for our residents, that, that that's a strategy to hopefully be successful. Great. Well, I think this was a really informative discussion. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat for the podcast. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim. I appreciate it. All right, I'd like to take a break in the action here to first give another shout out to our sponsor, Point Click Care. And second, I've got Jack Silverstein here with me. Jack creates research reports for senior housing news, including one on the topic of smart home technology and senior living. So Jack, I wanna just talk to you briefly about one finding of your report, which is that, you know, when I think about smart home technology, I've tended to really think of it as a resident-facing technology, as something that senior living residents will use increasingly to get information and just have a greater sense of comfort and convenience. But in reading your report and in talking to Andy Kohlberg for this podcast, it has become really clear to me that smart home tech can also increase employee engagement. And I'm hoping you can talk briefly about that aspect of the technology. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say that it isn't resident-facing. It absolutely is. Residents draw a great deal of the benefit from this technology. But what we're seeing is that staff does too. And of course, if your staff is benefiting, your residents are benefiting, everything is benefiting. I I would say that there are three main ways that staff engagement, that employee engagement is improved with smart technology. One is just generally speaking, with the use of smart assistance, smart technology, you're able to pick your spots a little bit better. One thing that I've heard and that I think will come as no surprise to our listeners is that staff often are pulled away for tasks that they don't necessarily need to be working on. They're not highest and best use. Great example is a resident wants to know what's for dinner tonight? What are the activities coming up? What is the temperature like outside? These are all very basic facts that can be worked into a dashboard, into a calendar. They can be placed on a screen on the wall. They can be accessed by your app through your phone, through your you know your iPad, what have you. And that is information that they can now get on their own more easily. It's something that communities are focused on providing through their smart technology. And now, when a staff member in the past may have gotten two calls, one is a slip and fall from room 302, and one is a what's for dinner from room 108, 
they had to make a decision before, and now they don't have to make that decision. They're not even being presented with that decision. So that really improves their engagement. Another way is you know, when you have more data, which is generated through smart technology, you have better engagement. So through the smart technology, you might know that a certain resident is not getting out of bed when she should be, or that she has slipped and fallen, or that she's not eating as much as she should be. And you're not guessing anymore as a staff member. You're able to see the data and give that resident what they need directly. So it's not just that your time demands change, but the actual work that you're doing with people can be impacted by this. I would say the third is one that we heard from Life Plan Community Operator Ingleside in Rockville, Maryland, outside Washington, D.C., and they said that they're using smart technology in part for attraction of younger workers. They think that it's going to help them attract and retain younger workers. When you do that, people are happier, they're staying longer, you're reducing turnover, and then all of the benefits of reducing turnover and having younger engaged staff is, you know, that's all right there as well. So I would say those are three big areas where we're seeing employee engagement through smart technology. It's, um, it's an important aspect to consider. Thanks. That makes a lot of sense to me. It reminds me of a conversation I had with Alexis Ohanian, the Reddit co-founder, we ran a story on some of his thoughts because he's now investing in elder tech and he really stressed that robots, for instance, we shouldn't think of them as replacing caregivers, but we need to think about how technology can make the caregiver's job more efficient and rewarding. So I think this plays into that same theme. So that's great. I think we should turn out of your interview with Nick Vizaka with Vincentian Collaborative System. Thank you, everybody. This is Jack Silverstein for Senior Housing News, and we are talking smart tech in senior housing. Joining us today for the Transform podcast is Nick Visaka, president and CEO of Vincentian Collaborative System. Vincentian operates three senior communities in the Pittsburgh area, and they have been an early adapter of smart technology in senior housing. They have a really interesting story, and we are really excited to talk to Nick. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Jack, thank you for having me. So when you and I spoke for our Smart Home Senior Living Report, there were a number of items that really jumped out to me, and we're going to get into those. But first, why don't you give us a little bit of a background, give listeners a little bit of a background on Vincentian Collaborative Systems' mission, and that will give uh, listeners a, a sense of why you have been so proactive to go after smart tech. Sure, Jack. So I think the most important thing for us is to make that smart technology accessible to everybody. Our mission is obviously to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. But more importantly, we feel as though there's a missing connection with that with the middle market, when you think of, you know, the, the every man, the working man and woman, you know, you either have, there's three levels. There's either the folks that, you know, can't afford to, to be in the, in that nursing home or that continuing care community. And they have the, the low income affordable housing option. Then you have people that are very well off that can afford the higher end, the, the opulent, you know, CCRCs in the communities. And then there's that big middle market that really nobody's focusing on. And it's, I, I think, forgotten. And so how do you bring those two together? How do you bring that affordability and that higher level together and offer uh, a product that is very comprehensive and doesn't shortchange or, or cut corners 
on smart technology and the availability of it to everybody that when they turn, you know, 55 and older and when they enter these communities and, and these CCRCs. And I think that that boomer generation that's coming is much more comfortable with the smart technology than the folks that are in their 80s and, and 90s now. So we feel it's important to start that now so that in 10, 15 years, it becomes the norm and not an add-on or the exception. And when you say starting that now, I mean, you're saying now, and this is t- 2019, but you ran your first pilot in 2008, correct? We did. We actually, we've been running pilots for, for several years when, and we actually combined low tech with high tech. And when you look at the high tech, we just ran a pilot about a year ago, a little over a year ago uh, with K4 Connect and some of the smart technology that we're doing there in our new development, Terrace Place, which is set to open here sometime in the next month or so. We're, we're shooting for April 1st, depending on weather. Uh, we know how that plays out in this country and certain parts of the country, but we're going to roll out smart technology in Terrace Place, and it's going to it's going to be a very connected community, 91 apartment units, but it's everything from you know smart home automation to smart health and wellness, the communication and engagement, because because we know that social isolation is a big problem among the senior population. So how do we connect them not only to themselves within that community, but also to the outside world and their children and friends? So how do you keep everybody on top of what's going on and make them comfortable doing it and not making making it such a chore or having to learn something completely new? Absolutely. There are a lot of reasons why a senior housing community might jump into smart tech. There are certainly a lot of reasons why they might be reticent to do so. There are, I'm sure, listeners who are at the beginning of their smart tech journey, possibly haven't even undertaken it yet, but are doing some research what were the biggest reasons, if you could give a top tier, that Vincentian moved into smart tech? What were, the, what were the biggest areas of improvement in the lives of your residents that you foresaw? Was it around their day-to-day lifestyle and happiness? Was it around healthcare? You've mentioned affordability, improving staff efficiencies, and you know, lending a hand to staff. I'm sure maybe all of these, maybe others. If you had to give the top tier, these are the reasons we moved into this space, what would they be? I think that the main reason and what we were hearing as we were conducting the focus groups and having folks come in for tours, it's an expectation, uh, right, Jack? I mean, I think that people now, the 55 and 60-year-old that has gone through the workforce in the last several years, expect and understand that that IT and that technology. So it's not only an expectation, they demand it. I mean, that's one of the first questions they ask us. Do you have Wi-Fi in the building? You know, are you going to be able to have the smart technology? Can I bring my Alexa? Can I bring my my Google? You know, and, and they it's an expectation. It's a demand. So why retrofit it and have it be an afterthought when you build it in and you have it in there today and 10, 15, 20 years from now, allow our infrastructure to adapt with the changes that are going to happen, that we know are going to happen. I mean, come on, you buy an iPhone today or a tablet, and in six months, the new one comes out. So we don't want something that's going to be obsolete in a year. We want to be able to grow with the the technology. That's the biggest thing. But also, when you look at the health and wellness, I think a lot of physicians, and you know, with accountable care and a lot of these health insurances and, and the providers, you want to keep people healthy, and you want to know that they are doing everything that they can to keep themselves healthy. So how do you bring that component? So there's that demand from the consumer, but there's also that expectation and demand 
from health insurance companies saying, you know what, if one of my policyholders, one of my customers comes into your community, how do we work together and ensure that their health and wellness and is good as it can be and that we can keep in contact with them? So I think it's coming from several angles. So when we thought about that, we said, well, how do we put together or how do we work with a company that can put together a product that's affordable, streamlined, and easy to use? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So one is just consumer expectations, the same way that maybe 10 years ago, people were saying, what, you don't have a, you don't have a gym? Right. Um, they, they, they might be saying the same thing. Another is health and wellness, and we'll dive into each of those. But is there anything else that's on that level that you consider to be a driver for why senior housing? I mean, you'll speak specifically for yourself, why you got into smart tech, why other senior housing operators would be wise to get into smart tech, other, other drivers that are on the level of those two. Yeah, I think the the third one, if you ask me to do a third one, would be that engagement, that communication, that that socialization amongst those seniors. Because the more and more you could you can open a newspaper, a magazine article, a podcast, and you'll hear the term social isolation over and over and over again. We see it, you know, especially when you have folks if they come in as a, a single resident into our apartments. You know, they don't know anybody and they isolate themselves or in in many cases, a spouse partner passes away while they're living there and and now they're left out on this island. So to have that smart technology now to put a community calendar up, to have that, the different events and the engagement and allowing people to really just uh, have a, a better sense of purpose and allow them to age in place and really let them know that, you know what, this is just the next chapter of your life. It's not something that you're not coming to a senior community to out the pasture. Uh, no, you're coming to write the next chapter. And you know what? We're going to help you do that. So I think the communication, the engagement, and just that, that spirit of, of just living. And that's what's next. That's great. You mentioned a few things that I want to dive uh, deeper into. And I want to give listeners a sense of how one might get started And then for the people who have already gotten started, where you go from there, let's start with cost. You said something that really intrigued me, and it's something that you and I have talked about before. You said, why have it be an afterthought and then have to retrofit? And as you and I have said, and as you told me, that's a really key piece of this because the cost of retrofitting is sometimes prohibitive. And you gave me some numbers for Terrace Place, you said it's a $19 million project, correct? Correct. And that the cost of implementing the smart tech is ninety dollars to $100,000, correct? That's right. What would the cost be for implementing the same smart tech or approximately the same smart tech on Terrace Place in five to 10 years if you didn't put it in now at the outset? Well, it's not only the cost, but the disruption, right? Because then you're you're having to go behind walls and you're going to have to go above ceilings and the, the disruption to those residents. I don't think you can really put a, an actual cost to that, you know, and, and being able to wire and to Bluetooth everything capability to a thermostat, to lighting. So that 90,000 could quickly, in terms of dollars, get to you know, three, four, five times as much. So, you know, you could be talking half a million or more 
depending on how that that structure is built. Is it a wood structure? Is it a steel structure? Is it a poured concrete? And sometimes the poured concrete, it's prohibitive. You can't even do it. And, you know, poured concrete, now you're going through walls and you need a whole set, a new technology to be able to be powerful enough to, to go through that. So I think when you're building something like this, tech folks, the IT, the, the, those companies should be at the table from day one. So for us, the $90,000 to $100,000 initially and then the ongoing cost, we don't we don't pass that on to the to the resident. I mean, that's built into your rent, and, and whether you take it or not, it's there and it's available for you. But I I can assure you that a hundred percent of these folks are going to use it. They're going to want it. Uh, it's just it's an afterthought. They don't even know what what happened. But so another thing to remember, Jack. So if we're going to go ten years from now and we're going to now implement it, who knows? The cost could be even more higher than a half a million. It could be a million. Who's going to pay for that? It's going to have to be passed on to the resident. A lot of these for-profits and a lot of these places will pass those costs on to the resident then. So when these folks come in today and they know that they're getting the smart technology at the, the cost that they're paying for, for their unit, they don't know that it costs us ninety dollars to $100,000 to do it. But they will know that it's going to cost you a million dollars if you want to do it in the future. And the, the cost of losing potential residents because you don't have that technology from day one is much larger than the cost of just the equipment and the the construction for renovation on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think additionally, a really important point that that people should be considering that obviously I, I know you're considering is the idea of putting that infrastructure in place because of how quickly technology changes. You ever go out in public and you see someone with a flip phone? And how, oh, absolutely. how jarring it is. And you're all of a sudden like, whoa, what? year am I in right now? Right. And, and, and I look at, I look at my iPhone and I realize, oh my God, in just a year or two, this thing is going to look enormous. It's going to, you know, just in, in full size, it's going to look bulky. It's going to look, it's going to look dated. And, yeah. and, and very recently it looked futuristic. I think it's very important to always be cognizant of how fast the technology moves, but the infrastructure that you need for the Wi-Fi can last, you know, 10, 15 years. We're just now getting into 5G and and the terror that you talked about, the disruption to residents of having to get into walls, get into ceilings, rewire everything. That is is going to be a, a huge hassle. So you really want to get that infrastructure laid down now so that you can then adapt to each additional tool, each additional device, which does move so fast. Right. And I think one thing, Jack, that you ha- I think folks have to remember and is a, is a point to make is once that infrastructure is in place, it's a lot easier to update software in the, in the back end where you don't need physical equipment. It has to be scalable. And that's what K4 Connect has done. So all the background, all of the equipment is there. Now it's easy to put the new update in. So if you think of, you brought the iPhone analogy up. So, I, you know, some folks still have the iPhone 5S. Well, Apple's going to come out and say, you know what, we're not even going to support that anymore. And now you're stuck with this. But with K4, all of that back end, all of that equipment, everything that's needed will be scalable. It's just a matter of programming it and put the software in and updating it. You don't need to rip out walls. Everything is already there. We, we're thinking 20 to 30 years into the future. 
That's great. And that's another idea. I want listeners to put a pin in that. We're thinking 20 to 30 years in the future. But first, I want to ask you about your second item in terms of the value prop, health and wellness. This came up very recently when we did our primary care report. And it came up a little bit in our our smart tech report. What are the benefits, particularly in ROI, for operators who are thinking about how smart tech can impact a resident's health and wellness? Well, I mean, when you think about for us as as an organization, it's part of our mission. I mean, we want to keep our residents and our patients as healthy as possible. And as I said earlier, one of the phrases that you hear a lot of today is aging in place. It's in our best interest. It's in the resident's best interest. And when you have partnerships, for us, each one of our facilities is located very close to a hospital or to a medical facility. They don't want to be inundated with uh, you know, emergency room visits or unnecessary visits to the hospital when they can be taken care of in in their apartment. And that's easy enough to do if you have that connectivity with the different platforms that K4 has that we can monitor and we can keep track of a person's condition. So somebody that has diabetes, you know, if you're connected and you have that smart technology, we can make sure that you're taking your meds. We can make sure that you are compliant, that you are able to stay on top of checking your levels. And if anything does go south, that we know about that right away and we can intervene before things get really bad. But on the flip side of that, not just looking at somebody's negative health, but it also looking at preventive measures. So when you have the the health, the smart health and wellness technology, it empowers, you know, our residents to now join in a Pilates class, to be active both physically and mentally. So it's Although they they think it's, you know, residents feel like, wow, I'm, this is great. My social calendar is full. I'm active. But there's also this other piece to it that allows us to say, yeah, you're active and you're social mentally and physically. It's keeping you healthy, right? And it's it's keeping you out of the hospital. So it's almost like that, you know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. I mean, you, you, you look at this and an, an, ele- of, an, elec- an Alexa day keeps the Alexa day, right? Uh, right, right. <laughs> so how am I doing today? But that, that's essentially what it is. It's, it's mind and body and spirit. And that's what we are uh, about. That's our mission. Yeah. And I think we're going to see more of this as the trend toward Medicare Advantage picks up. As you said, this is preventative, the way that, that smart tech can impact one's health. You can collect just more passive data on a resident and that can improve the quality of interactions between your primary care physician and your resident. They're going to know, you know, how, how much the resident is sleeping. They, they might be able to know how much the resident is eating, you know, through, through fridge sensors. They might be able to know information about the stool from smart toilets. There, there really is, once you start to dive into this, they're really there really is a lot that can be done here. There, there are a lot of benefits and smart tech can really impact all areas of a resident's life. So like you said, they might be more focused on the socialization, but doctors might be more focused and, and families might right. be more focused on, on the health impact and the, and the passive data that is, is collected. Right. You know, think about this in the past. And I know, you know, years ago, I went through this when when my grandparents were in skilled facilities. And, you know, if my mother wanted an update on my grandparents' health and how they were doing that day, you had to call the nurse's station. 
and then you had to disrupt their workflow and their day. Well, now if you're able to get all of that information, you know, through an app and through a tablet or through a phone, and you could check in on mom or dad's health and see how they're doing and know it and know how to actually structure your conversation with mom or dad. It gives you that security of knowing that mom or dad is being looked after. And, you know, now you can go and, and live your life and not have to worry, oh, my gosh, did they take their meds today? Did they do this? So you can check up on them. You know, when you talked about earlier, you can you know, you can have the sleep quality. Yes, that's already out there. I mean, there are sensors that you can put under the bed. We've worked with the University of Pittsburgh in their human engineering research lab where you can actually, you can gauge the movement and how people get in and out of bed and their sleep habits. And you can predict falls before they actually happen. So these are a lot of really cool high-tech things that are behind the scenes that you can check in on residents and they don't need to feel as though, you know, when you get older, you feel like I don't need to be Someone doesn't have to babysit me, right? I mean, I go through this even with, with my parents now where I'll call and ask questions, but they feel as though, hey, I'm, I'm older than you. I can take care of myself. But if you can get this information without having to make them feel as though they're, you know, they're being checked up on, that's a great thing. And it leaves that independence for those seniors, and it just gives them the security knowing that I'm taken care of and I don't have to worry about these things. So, Yeah, yeah that's great. We talked about the some of the results that you've seen. The number that stood out to me was that participants in, I think it was your pilot, collectively yeah, yeah. adjusted their thermostats an average of 178 times per day. Correct. And I remember like when we did our interview, because I'm moving so fast and and I, I, I jotted that down as a note. And then when I got time to like review my notes, I remember coming back to you for the fact check and being like, I'm sorry, I must have misheard you because I have written down in my notes that your residents are changing their thermostats 178 times on average per day. So obviously that can't be right. What's the real number, Nick? <laughs> and you were like, you were like, no, you heard me right. That is the number. Uh, that is mind blowing. And I think it really shows the degree to which degree, huh? so, <laughs> the degree to which residents and even older seniors are willing to interact with this technology. What else are you seeing right now? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing, right? So I think if you look at it's generational. So that generation, I think, of my grandparents came up, you know, through an era where you really saved money and you really were efficient. So even a degree on the thermostat throughout the day here, one or two, they thought they were saving money. But now as this new generation comes up and they are more tech savvy and they are more comfortable with this technology, they what this technology is able to do is understand your habits and understand what you're doing throughout the day. Th think about your iPhone. You know, after a while, when you start texting, give it a while, that keyboard starts to recognize what you mean when you type in the, the letters CL. It'll give you the, you know, give you the different words that it remembers that you added in the past. It's no different. When your smart technology starts to learn you and understand you, it will know that, hey, Jack, you've changed the thermostat this many times throughout the day. Let me preempt and get that for you. And you don't even have to worry about it. So now that senior is not touching, you know, the, the thermostat or, you know, you leave the house and you want to turn the lights on when you, before you get back. It'll know. It'll, it'll start to understand you when you're on your way home. 
There can be different Bluetooth technologies that say, you know, Jack, you're within a mile from home. I'm going to turn the lights on for you. You don't have to remember to do it. So that smart technology is just that. It's going to become smarter and smarter and really learn and understand the habits of that user. And it's going to, if you talk to, to folks today, like my parents are in their mid-70s, they'll tell you, that's kind of freaky that you're going to really understand what I'm doing. But that's, it's almost, it's artificial intelligence, right? It starts to understand you and understand your habits. That's what's coming. We don't have to tell the smart technology anymore what to do. It's going to already know and be programmed to do what we, what we want to do. From a lifestyle and socialization perspective, just the day-to-day of how seniors, how your residents are, are using this technology, what have you seen? What's, what's most popular? What has the, gotten you the best feedback? What are people most excited about? The most exciting part is that the social aspect of it, being able to share different activities on a community calendar and talk to each other and share photos of families. And, you know, as I said, the weather's bad around here. So sometimes people don't want to come out of their apartments or come out, but you can stay connected through that. The biggest, that is the biggest thing was this whole social isolation aspect of it. Now they're saying we're more connected with our neighbors and we know what's going on. And if there's a day when I just don't feel like going out, I don't have to just isolate myself in my room. I can still communicate, you know, with these folks, uh, whether I have the flu or I just, I'm not feeling a hundred percent, I can still make that connection and I still know what's going on in my community. That's the biggest driver. That's the biggest feedback that, that we've gotten is that I'm able to stay connected regardless of where I am or, or where from. And, you know, I'm not sure how, if this is the same phenomenon in the Midwest, but here in Western Pennsylvania, we have a lot of snowbirds. So a lot of these people, you know, they're in their apart, in their apartments when the weather's nice, but then they go to, they go to Florida, they go to Carolina. But they can take that technology with them and still stay connected to their community and have that. Yeah, you could say, well, Nick, you can do that through text now. You can do that through Facebook. We're talking about, you know, seniors. Now they have their own community. These 91 apartment units are their own Facebook yeah. uh, group, right? So sure. it's, it's amazing how they stay connected that way. So when they come back, they feel like they never lost anything. It's their own social network. They have not lost that connection with their residents and with their, their friends that they've created. Yep. Now you have mentioned boomers. It's certainly on everybody's mind, the impending wave of boomers that's, that's already taking place. It's maybe the driver for everything that we see in senior housing right now. However, you you're doing something really interesting. You are already interviewing generation X yep. Yep. and finding out what they want when they launch I'm sorry, when, when you launch a new community, you're finding out what they want for their community, something that they're not going to move into for maybe 10, 20 years, maybe a little longer, 30 years. Um, well, here, here's the ironic thing. So yeah. although what we're seeing now is we're, you know, we're right in the middle of conducting tours and filling Terrace Place. Yes, you're getting the, the potential residents. They're coming on this tour, but you know who they're bringing with them. They're bringing their son. They're bringing their daughter. So you have to please them. So when we built this, you know, we asked, what would you want to see? And they looked at us and they said, well, wait a minute, I'm, you know, I'm only 45, 55 years old. I don't need this place. No, you don't. But in 15 or 20 years, to your point, you are going to want to see it. And what would you want if you were to live here? And, you know, mom and dad, yes, we're going to give them what they want. They're going to get that. But what would you want to see? Um, so we've gotten a lot of feedback from from Gen Xers, and, you know, that's that's me. So when I built, you know, we built this, I, I, you know, my staff and I, we sat around and said, what would we want? 
10, 15, 20 years from now. So when I say you combine the low tech with the high tech, there are walking trails. There are the opportunity to go to, to a, we have a nearby park, North Park, which this terrace place borders. So folks can go down and, and fish. They can sit outside. We're going to have an orchard on, we're partnering with an organization that we're going to plant fruit trees on this site. So there's an orchard. There's going to be a garden. So you can still have those activities that folks today that are going to be moving in want. But when you marry that, I think I said this to you in our last conversation, I said this at the groundbreaking, think about combining the I Love Lucy with the Jetsons. That's what you're trying to create. You're trying to create that that warm home feeling, but in a high-tech feel also. So I think that's that's exactly why you talk to the Gen Xers and you talk to the people that are going to be moving in the, in the next three to five years, and you're going to you get a really good product. Yeah. So this has been great to wrap up. Let's look into the future of what is already the future. What is next for Vincentian in terms of smart tech? What are you looking at? What do you now view as table stakes and what is going to be the next smart home differentiator? Well, I think that's something that obviously we, we can't do that alone. We're not, we're not the experts in partnering with a K4 and the University of Pittsburgh and we're fortunate here in Western Pennsylvania to have Carnegie Mellon University. I think when you look at the bright minds that are there, you know, we want to work with them to say, "Hey, look, you've always talked, you've always thought about what's next for for that the 20 something, but what about that 60 something and 70 something?" So we're starting to pique that interest with these researchers and these tech companies to say, to your point, it's the silver tsunami. It's 10,000 boomers aging into that boomer generation uh, retirement age every day. So that's a lot of people. So not only are we going to work with those universities and those tech startups to, to say, what, what, how can we partner? But we also have to co-design with our residents and we have to ask them, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you liking? Um, so it's the Gen Xers, it's the Gen Y, it's that next, the millennials. So it's, it's not unheard of. It's just like when you were in high school and you were a freshman. Where are you going to go to college? Ah, it's too early. I'm not going to think about it. We're starting to talk to millennials now and saying, you know, what, what would you want to see when you grow old? Yeah, it's going to be 40, 50 years from now, but what do you envision the future to be? So we're always trying to stay on top of that, Jack, and trying to get everybody's input and not go at it alone because you, you can't build. Vincentian of today is going to look much different than the Vincentian of 20 years from now, but we have to continue to evolve and listen. So is it fair to say that the next moves, the next step for where you are is not necessarily about give them this piece of technology, give them that piece of technology, because there's kind of no way to know, but rather it's about process. It's about partnerships. It's about, like you said, listening. It's more about how you build a community that take smart tech as a foundational piece of itself rather than something that is viewed as an add-on. Is that right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Jack. And I think if, and, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the, the two people that I wish would, would listen to this podcast, you know, are the Richard Branson and Bill Gates of the world, because we are willing and we are open and we are a great t- pilot test site to put these ideas out there. We don't, we don't have the red tape that we have to go through. Let's just do it. And that's why it's great working with K4. If we have an idea, it comes directly to the apartment, directly to the house. So we'd love to partner. We'd love to partner. That's what we're, that's what we're looking for. Fabulous. Well, uh, Nick, this has been 
Great. We really appreciate your time. Again, everybody, this is Nick Vizaka of Vincentian Collaborative System in the Pittsburgh area. And where, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? They can go directly to our website, www.vcs.org, or they can email me directly at ceo at vcs.org. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is this has been wonderful. We appreciate you coming on to the Transform Podcast. Thank you so much, Jack. Have a great day. You too. And that does it for this episode of Transform. I'd like to give another shout out to our sponsor, Point Click Care. Until next time, I'm Tim Mullaney with Senior Housing News. Thanks for listening.